Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. On this episode of Big Boys Don't Cry, we discuss the romantic body horror film Spring. You don't have to have seen the film to enjoy the podcast, but it probably helps if you have, as there are light plot spoilers. Enjoy. cannot hear you can you hear me now i can hear you now that's good Marvelous. can you hear me i can hear you perfectly i can hear your lovely lovely voice great i'm afraid you're going to get a view of the the microphone <laughs> <laughs> microphone stand that's all right i thought you were going to say you're going to get a view of my bum well the, honestly the way that i the setup that i have at the moment i don't think I, that's even possible even if i wanted to couldn't even get a view of the bum yeah, sorry. I um, was staying at Claire's parents for the next two weeks, dog-sitting, and I forgot to bring half of my podcast gear. So I've got the mic, and that's going into the iPad dingus, and then I'm using the phone to call you separately. So that's fine. Ah. That's like our normal kind of backup setup. That's good. But um, the hilarious thing is, I fixed my laptop, so it's working now, but I forgot to bring the interface for that, and I forgot to bring the mic stand, and... Ugh. Oh, okay. But anyway, it's working, so we're good. Excellent stuff. That's good to hear. How was um how's your week been, man? It's been over a week since I spoke to you last, so I'm sure it that has. has happened. It has. It's been an eventful it's been an eventful time. So um it was World Mental Health Day. Yep. Um last week and for that I um delivered a presentation, uh, a web conference to people across the company that I work for. Um, about my own experience of mental health, which went down very well. About 100 people uh, tuned in for that, which was nice. And um, I wrote a piece for the website that I write yep. for about mental health and video games, which I was very worried that we'd get some nasty comments on it. Um, yeah, I've dealt with nasty comments in the past, but amazingly, everybody was really positive about it and sharing some of their own experiences. Um, one particular bloke saying about how video games um, had helped improve not his mental health but his physical help, uh, physical health in terms of rehabilitation um, and things That's like that. That's something so, you don't hear about very often. Yeah, so it was it was really it was it, it was really interesting getting feedback on those. Um, so that was nice. And then um, I went from the highbrow side of video games to the lowest of the lowbrow, and I've been uh, reviewing the latest South Park game. That, oh, uh, I, I was thinking it was going to be something much worse when you said the lowest of the lowbrow. <laughs> um, how how is the new South Park game? I didn't even know there were any South Park games. Yeah, so they they made a load when we were kids, and they were all terrible. Um, and then they made one the other year called the Stick of Truth, and it was like a fantasy RPG where all the kids were like playing dress up as like wizards, and so it was like a fantasy game, but it was all sort of like make believe kid play stuff and that was really funny and really good Um, and then they've done a new one where they're playing at being superheroes and it's all sort of like marvel civil war apart from it's the south park kids Um, all right all sort of like using yeah it's it's very fun um literal toilet humor a lot of the time um it doesn't really have that satirical edge that south park sometimes has when it's at its best 
Um, right. Instead, it is it is quite silly, but um, it's it's yeah, it's a really enjoyable game. It's really good fun to play as well. Um, and yeah, so my review is went live today. The embargo lifted today, and you always get this moment of panic when you've played a high profile game, in particular when the embargo lifts, because you're like, you know, I I'm I'm always pretty like strong in my opinions. Um, yeah. Like I I when I write something for a review, it's exactly what I believe about the game. Um, but you always have that mild worry where you're like, oh God, what if I've liked it and everyone hates it? Or what if I hated it and everybody else likes it? That kind of thing. But thankfully, I think my review was generally in line with, with what most of the other reviewers were saying about it. Oh, that's good. Nice. And obviously you've got a line to walk in as much as the, the, the games companies want you to give an honest review, but also don't want you to completely shit on the game either because then nobody will buy it. Yeah, I mean, we 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 have like um we have ethics to maintain with our reviews and things like that it's always got to be honest it's, like, it's about ethics to... in video game journalism it, it, it is actually yeah. about ethics in video game journalism and that's the funny thing is that our side of the coin on that the people who are accused of having zero ethics we we have pretty strong ethics about our journalistic integrity um and uh and yeah you've got to give an honest review i've laid into a couple of games that i've reviewed and it's like you feel bad because people have put a lot of work into it but you you need to give a, an honest review of a product. You don't have to be cruel when writing a bad review. But it's um, possible to acknowledge that people have put a lot of work into it while still being critical of it. I yes, mean, exactly. I don't dispute that a lot of work went into William and Kate the movie, but it's still a terrible film. Yes, yeah, precisely. There, there was one. There's only one game that I've that I've reviewed that um, I've really laid into. Um, and that was a game called Hatred, which I don't know if you remember. It caused a lot of controversy a few years back because it's no. basically a murder simulator um, and not in like a Grand Theft Auto tongue-in-cheek satirical way, just a genuinely quite grim black and white game where you're a guy with long hair and a trench coat and you go around shooting people. Um, and it was sort of... It failed on every level because it was boring to play um, and it was it was uneasy to play but it also it didn't push any boundaries that games hadn't done before there's been lots of games that effectively did the same thing in a better way so yeah that was sort of like it failed on every single possible level (laughs) and i kind of made it quite clear it's like it's boring and it's crass and it's trying to be offensive but it's not really offensive it's that's a shame and i think obviously as a video games journalist you have to spend a significant amount of time with a playing a game before you can review it right more so than probably a film critic i'd say yeah i think so um uh i must have spent about mm, 25 hours on the new south park game for instance um before because because the thing is that you can get a general idea about a game within a few hours play but particularly something that's very much focused on the single player um, experience and, and focused on sort of like a comedy campaign like South Park you really need to get a, a feel for much more of the game than just that general sense of how good it is and how it plays you need that knowledge of of, of the overall plot to be able to make an, an educated review yeah um, and, and allow your readers to actually take that opinion as as something that they want to take into consideration and um, yeah so you have to you have to spend a lot of time with these games and and it's really interesting it's great to to review video games um it's one of the most interesting things of that job 
Um, but yes, yeah. it does take I, up a lot of time. <laughs> just speaking as someone who you know casually you know reviews films for this podcast and did the odd thing here and there, I I couldn't imagine having to spend twenty five hours on a thing before then having to review it. It's just such an investment of your time. So, but in a way, that makes me feel good that this podcast doesn't then take up too much of your time comparatively. It's like one film a week and then an hour and a half recording. That's not too bad, right? It's okay. Yeah, yeah. I think with with um with game reviews as well, you kind of you have to play the game in a different way to how you'd necessarily play it as a fan. Yeah, because um, you've really got to kind of test the boundaries of it and everything like that to make sure that because it's not just it's not just working out whether the game's any good. It's also working out whether it's been well made. And if there's issues with it that would could cause players some problems, and thankfully the South Park game, I didn't come across any glitches. It was all very smooth, and it looks like you're in an episode of South Park, basically. Yeah, it's almost entirely seamless. It feels like genuinely like you're watching an episode of South Park when you're playing it, which is quite incredible. I mean, I know South Park's not the most detailed of shows, but the fact that they managed to implement that so well is quite impressive. Um, but yeah, so you, you need to you need to keep track of lots of different things, really. Um, it's a mixture of being able to give sort of like an an interesting arty review of themes and plot and ideology alongside the very technical is this fun does it look good is it made well so it's that weird sort of blend and then you come on this podcast and have to give incredibly detailed and highbrow critiques of films (laughs) alternatively talk about (laughs) conspiracy theories yeah true there's um (laughs) have you seen the so today is tuesday it'll be friday when this goes out did you see the scary red moon that's been hanging around today or was it like a red sun or something yeah i did um the light was going today in a really strange way that was a bit like that simpsons episode where mr burns has the dish that covers the town in darkness like i felt like something like that was happening it was quite freaky actually it it felt like um we're living in mad max Mm. to be to be perfectly honest the weird sort of like or or you know how at the beginning of the day of the triffids there's that meteor shower that makes everyone go blind um it kind of felt like that so i was walking home a little bit quicker today so i was like i want to get into my house before like the evil plant monsters attack (laughs) and kill everybody (laughs) yeah we were out walking the dog and i had the same thought it was like we've got to get him home now (laughs) get him back get him back home um yeah, I think the Flat Earthers are probably very upset about this because there's been a lot of stuff on the news about it being related to like some kind of supernova explosion out in space or something that or that it's has caused um, astrophysicists to be able to see gravitational waves for the first time or something. Some kind of huge scientific discovery that I bet the Flat Earthers are fucking furious about. Well, it's all um, it's all big media, isn't it? It's yeah. not real. So it's, it's all made up. It's, NASA, it's all a NASA done it. They, NASA, they just NASA turn, made it dark. They just turned the sun a different colour. They just put the mood lighting on. <laughs> they painted over it. The sun's not even real. Yeah, it's it's not real. It's a big thing in the sky that they just push around. It's just a big light bulb. Yeah. I think we've discussed this already, but I think there's some a big divide in the flat earth community is whether people think that other planets are flat whether the earth is the only one that's flat and all the others are round it's like why would we have the special <laughs> flat one and all we the others have be the flat only flat earth yeah that's amazing that's really good i've not heard that before yeah 
like Mars and Jupiter and all of them. So, so some people bel- buy into all the other systems of the solar system and all that, but believe that the Earth is flat, whereas others think that all of the other planets are fake and that we're literally hurtling through space as if we're on the back of some very fast-moving turtle. I mean, if you're going to go for the crazy the Earth is flat thing, surely it makes more sense that the rest of the universe is a fabrication rather than our Earth is the only planet that's flat. Yeah, that's what um, I. That's the part that I find very interesting. It's like how, yeah, it's like you can make the leap to the Earth being flat, but you still accept all the other parts. Yeah, yeah, it's, that's really weird. Um, yeah. I was about to say a spoiler for a movie. Um, okay, pe- people on this podcast, if you've if you've not seen the movie Dark City and you're planning to watch the movie Dark City then perhaps skip the next minute or so of this podcast. It is a movie from from several years ago, so I don't feel too bad for saying a spoiler. But yeah. um in that it's like a it's like a film noir type thing. It's kind of matrix-esque. It's got this kind of like sci-fi noir overtone to it. Um and it turns out that um all these people living in this city actually it's out in space and they're humans being experimented on by these weird gothic alien things that stop time every so often and reset people um so maybe it's that maybe it's that for real and and rather than a big gothic city it's just the planet sounds cool I could believe it, is a, that. It, it is a very good film actually it's really good it's got a great cast i um, i have not seen it it kind of got overshadowed by the matrix um it's directed by uh, the guy who did The Crow, and it's got that same kind of like gothic overtone to it, which is quite oh, nice. Oh, cool! Um, I yeah, like it's got The a... Crow. I remember yeah, it being a... very hyped when I, when we were at school, and everyone was like, "Really? Oh man, we've got to watch The Crow." Um, and th- at the time, I didn't really get it, but having si- having watched it since, there is the the kind of yeah, the gothicness and the sort of weird landscapes and the cinematography of it are so effective. Yeah, it's a great it's a great goth movie. You don't you don't get many really good goth films, but it is. Everything's kind of got that creepy otherness to it. It's got this amazing soundtrack and like lots of badass action sequences and things like that. It's a it's a good film. Um Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, no, Dark City's worth a watch if you're into that kind of thing. Cool. Um it it is not very romantic, so I don't think <laughs> it would be suitable for this podcast. Shame. Whereas the, this week's film was was definitely very romantic in fact it was a very very powerful love story despite being kind of essentially a horror film or perhaps being sold as a horror film having the atmospheric elements of a horror film it was a very very powerful love story yeah it's it's the sweetest romantic movie that also involves um someone turning into a snake monster and eating someone (laughs) (laughs) yeah Uh, eating someone who very much deserves it did fair. deserve it yeah yeah so, so did you did you enjoy did you enjoy spring i did i i very much enjoyed it yeah i didn't really know what to expect i think it's as a film i hadn't heard of it's it's an independent film right yeah yeah so how did you come across it so i found it as a random youtube trailer you know how you can go down those those long corridors on youtube where you look up a trailer for a movie you want to see and then you see something in the sidebar that's like, oh, I wonder what that is. And you click on that. And then that trailer ends in like, oh, I wonder what that one is. So this was like about six movies down on one of those, one of those uh, like you lost YouTube adventures. You're in the trailer um, hole. Yes, I was, I was deep in the trailer hole uh, when I saw 
this come up and um i recognize the the main guy in it because uh that he is in the evil dead remake which i really enjoy it's a very good horror movie cool um and i thought oh okay i might give this a watch it looks interesting and um yeah i i i really enjoyed it it's got this very unique feel to it um yeah i didn't really know what to expect and when it started it's 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 very it starts very quietly and the film is kind of grainy it seems almost documentary like it's almost like it starts like a drug documentary like he's with his mum and she's about to die and he's got this shaved head which makes him look like a character from train spotting he's got that kind of haunted look about him um and i'm like is this actually some kind of drug memoir (laughs) and then but that sets the scene really well because it yeah it wants you to have that kind of that kind of drab atmosphericness to it um in the u.s because he then ends up fleeing from the u.s to to italy after his parents are dead he doesn't really have anything else tying him down or whatever he just goes down to italy and then italy seems much kind of brighter in comparison but there's still a a sort of paranoid edge to it all the time yeah it's it's an it's an interesting film because you're totally right about that is um it's got this very gritty feel to it and very realistic feel to it um in spite of the quite fantastical subject matter um and it almost feels like i i kind of feel like it's a mumblecore horror yeah the best way to describe it it's got this really sort of down-to-earth simplistic look at these two people um who are falling in love and you've got all of these these undertones of grief and and things like that that you often get in those mumblecore movies where there's always something hidden underneath the surface so that there's this impact behind what would otherwise be in consequential conversations um so so in spring um our our main character evan um he uh his his father died and then his mother has just passed away as well um and he's out at the bar where he works uh just having drinks with a friend when he gets into a fight and uh punches punches a guy who then is not he's not a very nice person the guy that he punches a sketchy and... guy who's trying to who's about to like glass him to be fair yes yeah yeah it it, it was a self-defense fight more than anything else um and so you don't have that kind of oh this evan guy's an asshole feel to it he's clearly the good guy in this situation looking out for one of his friends who's been a bit mouthy the other guy is clearly sketchy as all hell um but it's clear that there's nothing left for him in the u.s at this point apart from a potential lawsuit from a nasty bloke who had gold teeth yeah um (laughs) who follows him home in the car and then they're all like fuck you fuck you there's a lot of not as swearing, and one of his friend says that the guy has a cock holster mouth, which is quite an enjoyable <laughs> swear word. Yes, yeah, and and yeah, there's quite a lot of like little little laughs in this movie, even though it's sort of like it's quite it's kind of serious in tone quite a lot of the time. But it is, the, but there's these nice moments. His character of has a real sense of humour that really, really comes across and makes part of it very, very funny and light-hearted and realistic, and it really, really takes the edge off the horror but not in such a way as to make it cheesy. Like that the the balance between those two things is absolutely perfect because you like the kind of when you when you get along with people and you're joking around with them and especially of the romantic relationship as well when you're kind of bantering with someone um it does that and it does that well and that side of it 
is funny and very very engaging and a lot of the kind of incidental characters are really really funny as well so when he um he first gets to italy he falls in with these two two british blokes and they are like absolute caricatures of british people <laughs> yeah that it, it's the kind of it's the kind of thing where like um that the the idea of a british person in the eyes of a lot is is a very posh chap who likes drinking tea and is very mild-mannered a jacob um, rees mogg f- type yes and then you've got the flip side of this of the loud loutish drunk violent swear-a-thon man um and these two people fit that caricature perfectly yeah. um these two guys who he meets just when he flies into italy and they they go off on a little road trip together they're like um, vi- violent hooligans yes football, yeah. football hooligans and you yeah. i thought he was just going to get into a fight with them they were going to beat him up and it, the, the whole film was just going to be endlessly like body horror bits of people getting stabbed and beaten up and glassed and chopped up or whatever so i wasn't sure where the horror elements were going to come from and at that point this is what 15 20 minutes in like i thought because it's it was also kind of billed as a body horror film i thought there was going to be it was going to end in yes them all kind of slashing each other apart but in a way they were nice to him and they invited him on their road trip and then they kind of they take him out and they joke around with him and stuff and they talk to him there's a really funny scene where they're they're in the car the three of them or like there's a few little moments that they're kind of telling stories and the British guy is like, it just cuts to him going, and then I was like, fuck you, you mug. <laughs> really funny. <laughs> but then the guy tells them, the British guy tells him a story of how he had a woman who left him for a guy in Ibiza and it broke his heart. And then he's like talking really, really slowly. That's what, when you say it's like mumblecore. It's a really mumblecore kind of slow conversation. And the guy's like, I saw her years later in the supermarket. She was really fat. It was disgusting, and I loved it. <laughs> that, <laughs> yeah. that made me howl, genuinely howl with laughter, like the caricature of this British guy. And then, and then after that, the guy goes, "You're lucky, mate. Most men don't share their emotions like I do." Yeah, it, it's it's great because cause it kind of is billed as being this emotional breakthrough moment, and then it is just she's got really fat and her teeth are horrible, like fag ends. And I loved it. <laughs> And, uh, he goes, it was disgusting, and I loved it. Yeah, <laughs> and yeah, I I absolutely love those two guys, and they're only they're only in it for a very brief moment, really, in terms of the overall runtime. Um, but they help kind of like they help kind of set the scene of people traveling, um, and like the different purposes that people travel for, um, which is kind of like a recurring theme of the film as a whole. Um, where you've got these sort of like you've got you've got Evan who's not not running away from his problems but he he's he's looking for something else and he wants to take time away from his life to really sort of take stock of things Um, and then you've got these two people that are traveling for just for absolute fun reasons Um, and and you've got Louise who's kind of never able to settle down and constantly changing Um, and so it is kind of this recurring idea of of the temporary um which everyone's very, on the journey yes exactly everybody is on the journey and that becomes it becomes a topic of conversation between people throughout the film as well yeah um just a point about uh about our favorite football hooligan um played by played by nick nevern and uh and he's in a, he's also been in movies such as hooligan factory 
and <laughs> is that like the football factory but worse <laughs> yeah and uh, and blue collar hooligan um so he's yeah, been so... in multiple films with the word hooligan in the title he has he was also in that's uh, awesome he's also in the mrs brown boys movie <laughs> oh god um, the rise and fall of a white ho- white collar hooligan. I don't know if that's related to a blue collar <laughs> hooligan. That that um, that's got to be like a sequel because it's a boy done good thing. Yeah, yeah. He's also been an episode of Jonathan Creek. All right, he's um, been around. Has he been in the bill? Oh, let's have a look. I don't. Know he must it. have been in the bill. Let's have a some look. some kind of slag. He is in the bill. He's in one episode of the bill. Knew it. As a character called Elliot Johns back in 2009. I bet you that Elliot Johns is a plumber who, like, kicks someone's head head in with a pipe or something. I'm going to search Elliot Johns the bill and see if I can get a photo of him. Is the bill Let's still going? Look. I don't think so. I thought it ended. Oh, yeah, I think it did, yeah. Oh, That's he has a shaved head. <laughs> what a surprise. So <laughs> you what, I would rather watch every single episode of The Bill back to back than watch a single episode of Mrs. Brown's Boys. Yeah, so would I. Mrs. Brown Boys is terrible. It is it is really bad on every level. It is, yeah, it's absolutely awful. Um it's one of those TV shows where it's like I don't understand how this is popular, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Or as popular as it is. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, it, it just completely goes over my head. I don't understand the the uh, the purpose of it whatsoever. Yeah, it's too clever for us. Yeah, yeah, for for certain. Like like South Park. Yeah, it's too smart. Well, oh, I'm really really <laughs> glad that this guy has been in all of the hooligan films. We should <laughs> we should do a special episode where we just watch all of the films that have hooligan in the title. <laughs> hooligan month. Hooligan month. <laughs> We've got to find out the month of the year when statistically um, football-related crime is at its highest, and then that's Hooligan month. Yeah. If uh, yeah, if there's a if there's a world cup, the next time there's a World Cup on, we'll. Uh, oh yeah. We'll 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 do Hooligan month. We'll find we'll find movies that are romantic with hooligans in. <laughs> hey, I'm I sure bet there must you that be some. Exists. Yeah. Yeah. Failing that, we can just watch Bend It Like Beckham, football-related, yep. romantic-related. Yeah. Is there hooliganism in that film? I don't think so, but we could get rowdy. We could edit some in, maybe. Beckham, Beckham, me from Stratham. <laughs> it's full of wankers and you're one. <laughs> <laughs> I wish that I just pulled, just made that up, but that's from an old Adam and Joe sketch about football songs. <laughs> yes it's one of the funniest things they've done i think every so often it still sticks in my head and makes me laugh out loud um it's brilliant it is great so yeah i'm very glad that this guy is in spring and that they managed to get a couple of genuinely very authentic british hooligans to play these parts but yeah they're they're very very good and what's really good about their performance as well is that for the whole time they're on screen evan hardly says like two words because they're just talking all the time and that builds up their characters to a level of hilarity but also reveals quite a lot about evan's character which is about him being kind of reserved even though the the brits are talking at him saying that oh you americans are so loud when they're the ones talking really really loudly all the time 
which is quite hilarious yeah yeah it's really good and and later on in the movie you do meet some uh some loud americans yeah um, and again the tourist the, uh, season hits the loud american guy is like is the worst caricature of all of them like so hilarious the first time you see him he's on the beach literally singing the na- the american national anthem wearing like a stars and stripes bandana throwing around a, a football yeah <laughs> it's yeah it's great but um, he he quite quickly gets eaten by the the lizard vampire wolf monster whatever she is yeah yeah so so shall we talk about the the interesting twist of spring yeah. So, so this movie is a journey of discovery for a young man who's been wracked by his tragedy, who travels to distant Europe, to um, a city in Italy, and there he he takes a job working on a farm, um, and uh, lives a more simple life, and meets a beautiful and interesting woman uh, with a mysterious past. So, so far. So, 500 Days of Summer. Yeah. However, it turns out that Louise, this mysterious woman, goes through these very strange transformations where she'll morph into strange beasts and then kill stuff. So, or like you, wreck her apartment or... Yeah, yeah. yeah. bunnies alive or nasty stuff. Yeah, lots and lots of nasty stuff. And so you've got this very... You couldn't get two more different genres as body horror and mumblecore so i mean we we previously talked about the romantic side of the fly but this is a very different kind of romantic movie and it's a it's a very different kind of drama behind the scenes yeah um and somehow and i don't quite know how they did it but the directors of this film justin benson and aaron moorhead have managed to perfectly align body horror and like low budget indie comedy drama somehow and it's really well i still can't i can't quite understand how they did it but through some kind of cinematic magic they've managed to make these two genres work incredibly well together i think the way that they managed to put it off was to keep the the horror was to was to properly pace the horror elements and how they fitted into the plot and make them the fantastical horror elements secondary to the whole plot being about Evan's journey of self-discovery and of Evan searching for something meaningful and he finds it, um, which is his love for Louise and the relationship that they eventually manage to forge. But the her condition is the thing that gets in the way and that's the thing that provides the horror and fantastical elements but the film is not about that. The film isn't driven by those things. You could really, in fact, take most of them out and replace it with any other kind of problem um, that gets in the way of their relationship and it would still work in the same way. Um, but yeah, they, they paced it really well and used dramatic irony really well as well. So the whole time, he, you as the viewer know what's going on with her well in advance of... Um, what of evan finding out so when everything sort of does reach a climax none of it feels at all surprising but it does feel like a big payoff but you see little bit little scenes of her transforming and that kind of thing but none of them ever last that long either and they're never gratuitous they're never drawn out it's all just like 
here's a thing she's got to go down here she's got to run away because she's going to transform that kind of thing and it goes on and on gradually i think yeah it's just to do with pace and non-gratuity and the the and knowing exactly what is driving the plot i think yeah and 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 they do a they do a wonderful job with it um i think another thing that it did incredibly well was this movie clearly wasn't made on a very big budget um but what they did utilize that budget on in terms of effects they did incredibly well um so there was only a couple of moments where i felt like it was very obvious sort of like cgi uh, uh, effects um a lot of it is very very prosthetic based um and they showed just glimpses of it now and then you only get a couple of really really vivid shots of um of the horror side of things Um, a lot of the time it really keeps it to a minimal um, which allows then your imagination to do a lot of the talking for 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 the film um which is which is great and they did a they did a brilliant job with it um i I thought some of the like prosthetics and the, the scarier parts to me felt more real or better more effective than say the the plasticky ghosts in crimson peak just as a point of comparison the thing that we talked about last week this mm. felt the horror elements of this were much more effective for me yeah and and they they've done a great job with the with the monster designs as well and it's very varied um this she's not a werewolf she's not a a, a snake woman um it changes every single time her transformation um and so you get these really varied shifts um and it's always it it always comes as a shock to the viewer on first watch in particular the first time i watched this movie i was kind of very tense during those transformation scenes because you never really knew what was going to happen when and it's been quite a while since i watched this movie the first time round and and so i'd forgotten quite a lot of it there was just a few bits that i remembered and it is it's very effective from a horror perspective it's not a i wouldn't say it's a scary horror movie horror is kind of just like the little flourish in the overall plot yeah um but it really packs a punch when it wants to definitely and i think actually with i expected it to be scarier than it was because of the horror elements and i expected there to be a big kind of horror payoff at the end which there wasn't as well um so the the ending is a very very interesting part of how all that came together as um it being so much more about evan discovering something than about the the horror so i think i went in expecting for there to be much more horror and it was kind of low-key but it was still really effective yeah and and the trailers themselves make it out to be a bit more horror related um you almost that's how you this, sell it yeah um I, I think sort of like the the way that this movie was sold and i'm sure it worked very well in terms of selling people into this concept um is kind of like um he meets this beautiful girl but she's a monster and it kind of it feels like oh maybe she knows that she's a monster and she's toying with him that kind of thing but that's not the case at all um where she knows that she is she has these these transformations um but her mind is never on like capturing him and eating him or anything like that um she really ends up with his best intentions in her heart and and although she does bad things over the course of this movie um she's not a villain this is a movie without a villain it doesn't have a nasty monster that wants to destroy the world it's just um a freak of nature that cannot be controlled effectively so um without going into well i suppose we'll have to go a little bit into spoilers for what what the monster is um just so that we can explain the rest of the film um but she has been alive for two thousand years i think Mm -hmm. they said yeah um 
and um she regenerates every 20 years um it's some kind of um some kind of freak of nature as i said before where every 20 years or so um she gets pregnant but then her body ingests the stem cells and it basically rejuvenates her taking 50 percent of the dna of whoever she's been with to create a new person so she keeps all of her memories but she looks entirely different yeah and, um, she's and then it's young. another and she's always young she always looks like she's in her 20s effectively um and it's a really interesting idea and it's kind of like the the way that i kind of think about it is um is that it's almost like a modern day retelling of some kind of witch's curse yeah. where it can only be broken by true love that kind of thing and and, and the, the film kind of toys with that idea in a, in a sort of tongue-in-cheek way with a little nod and a wink to the audience but it's not kind of like framed precisely as that if you know what i mean um which i thought was a really interesting way to do this kind of film um yeah. and so and so she uh she goes through these transformations as she reaches the end of her 20-year cycle effectively um which was yeah a really a really interesting way of telling this kind of story which i've not really seen anybody do in, yeah, in this particular manner they come up with that thing that idea and then they use it to great effect to create an obstacle for their love that doesn't feel forced even though it's obviously really really hilariously weirdly far-fetched um it's never like sort of fully explained but you're like okay that it makes sense and it ties into other things that happen like she says she has to get pregnant at the end of the 20 years to keep it going. Otherwise, I don't know, she'll she'll turn into some kind of horrible beast or whatever. They don't really know. Um, is it... Do they do they know what's going to happen if she doesn't get pregnant or doesn't ingest the eggs or whatever? Um, I can't remember, to be honest with you. I don't know whether it's discussed, but it never really... It never really pops into your mind when you're watching it. She kind of explains that that's what has to happen and you kind of just roll along with it. Yeah. Um... But then at and the end, it's kind of a cliffhanger, isn't it? So you, it's like you don't know whether the sun's about to come up and they're they're together, and he's had this kind of little monologue about how he's he's discovered something and he's learned him he's learned something or whatever, and that's um that's all very nice. He's like he's found love, and that's the whole point of it. So the film is is over because he's accomplished his goal, but you still don't know whether she's going to change or that kind of thing there's some kind of element there that's just left hanging isn't there yeah so so i read it in a very positive way um in the I, can i just say that i love the end of this film by the way yeah um because i, I thought it was abrupt i thought either she was going to transform and eat him or there was going to be something i still in the back of my mind thought that there was going to be some kind of big horrible payoff because of the the horror elements were there and it's still so ingrained in you isn't it that if that's a horror film that's what's going to happen so yeah i was immediately i was like oh huh that's the end but then i was like actually that's incredibly effective and yeah, does what the, they set out to do because going into this film i really was concerned um well not concerned but you you have these expectations that we've all watched horror movies where there's a big monster um take for instance the fly that we watched a couple of weeks ago yeah. um where where the the most horrible transformation is at the end of the film and then they have to fight it and they have to kill it and it's very sad um and and she she implies that this is going to happen that the 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 monster that she turns into at the end is the worst um and that when it happens Evan simply has to run 
Um, but really, um, the end of this movie, it really goes back to those kind of like low key indie roots because rather than having this, uh, this big payoff dramatic scene, like over the top action action focused scene instead he decides to take her on a road trip and they go around um parts of italy where she was when she was younger um and so they go to like naples and they end up in pompeii at the end which is where she she shows her shows him her family home and things like that yeah and um and she's and it's pointing really at nice. all the works of art and going oh that's me from that time that's me from that time and that side of it is really really funny because at that point obviously there's an intimacy between them that has built up and they're joking around and it's it's yeah it's genuinely quite quite lovely yeah it's it's a really nice like romantic uh like romantic scene between these two people and uh and yeah it's really nice and then it ends at pompeii and um she's having this transformation as the sun comes up and um you hear all these horrible transformation noises it kind of it zooms in on evan's face effectively so you don't see anything that's going on which i think works in its favor because you know it it, if you're going to say that there's going to be a horrible transformation you've got really got to pay that off with a really big realistic looking scene or find a way around it and they found a really good way to circumvent the need to show it yeah um but you hear all these horrible noises have felt like a cop out but didn't at all no no they did it they did it really well and it's all to do with the great pacing of the script and and the performances as well the performances of the leads in this movie are great um and so then it it zooms out after these these uh these noises are finished and she's lying there and the way that i read it was um that it had worked and it with air quotes around it true love had won the day and that she'd found this compatibility to be able to then live a normal life and that she'd sort of forgo her transformations every 20 years um to sort of live this lifestyle effectively um and live a normal life at last um and that's the way i kind of read it but you're right there is this kind of abrupt end to it where it is kind of open to see what happens next um particularly with with the volcano going off in the background as well yeah is is it's an interesting is a really interesting end to this film that kind of came out of nowhere as well. You're like, okay, the volcano is erupting. Okay, maybe they're going to die anyway. So what does it matter? But yeah, I like to. I read it as you could. You could definitely believe that she chose true love, which is interesting because up until that point, you still don't a hundred percent believe that she loves him. You know that he loves her because he says it to her in the car, and then she's a bit kind of. He's like, what? You've never been in love, and she's kind of like, I don't know, two thousand years, <laughs> but. Um, it's obviously never happened to her before in the hundred other lives that she has lived, which is really, really interesting for the backstory of her character as well. There's never been anyone else who's managed to take her in in the same way as this shaven-headed, kind of downbeat American guy. Yeah, it's it, it's really it's really funny that she she has this great line where she's like. Uh, don't look at me like I'm a sociopath because I haven't found love in 2000 years. I've just had a lot of bad luck with guys or something like that. She says, yeah. Oh yeah, here we go. Uh, so, uh, so you've never been in love before. I guess not, not in thousands of years. I'm not a sociopath. Okay. I just had really bad luck. And, and, and there's all these really nice little, little lines like that in the movie that kind of like it breaks down what would otherwise be a really over the top concept. And they add this humanity to it um which really shines through um and so like 
and and it's kind of it it's sort of explained in the film that like she doesn't have any control over like how her body reacts to the idea of love um and so the the, the way that i kind of think of it was that she's had lots of people proclaim their love for her over the years um but she has this kind of attract but she attracts people because she's got this this pheromone and and there's lots of really beautiful scenes throughout the film where as she's transforming and you see this horrible things happening to her she sort of like touches things on the wall and suddenly like flowers will bloom and things like that yeah and and you get these real sort of wonderful contrasts throughout the movie between like horror and beauty and life and death and things like that but all done in such a low-key fashion um that it's it's very very impactful to watch really yeah it's very it's nice to see all those things but yeah they have a lot of fun with the idea of her being 2000 years old so they create this thing that's really far-fetched but then they don't take it so seriously that it's kind of self-regarding and that i think is that the the problem that films often face especially ones where there is a kind of fantastical element that people just end up completely laughing at is that they just take themselves too seriously and it's like well yeah of course she's 2000 years old this that they decide to genuinely poke a bit of fun at themselves by having her joke around about it and having him ask her questions about it that they can then build jokes off of and that side of it is very yeah it's a real relaxant inside something that is actually quite fucked up yeah yeah and and yeah it, it again come it comes down to the script really they they did a great job with the script on this film yeah um which yeah it's, it's a very clever very clever very sweet movie at its core um and uh and yeah it's 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 awesome <laughs> quite simply i think it's a really it's a really clever really really nice movie to watch it is it's a very enjoyable experience and yeah the the kind of foul elements are over within a couple of seconds so it's very it's easy to watch it's not endless bits of this that and whatever obviously yeah you might be a little bit scared by it but if you're not into horror but you like sort of your slow-paced romantic indie films i think you'll definitely enjoy it and definitely find that it it fits that it fits that kind of bill and it's it's funny as well it's genuinely very very funny it it is it is a very funny movie um and always intentionally funny as well it's easy for movies like this to get lost in their own gravitas and then become unintentionally hilarious but but these guys knew what they were doing when they made this movie yeah. and and um and yeah the performances of the lead stars are great so you've got Lou Taylor Pucci i hope i'm pronouncing that right good name um who uh, who was in Evil Dead? He's the unfortunate guy who reads from the book of the dead in 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 the Evil Dead remake. Um, who then goes through a really torrid time and eventually ends up dying in it. Um, oh. But you you feel really sorry for him in the film, and he puts in a really great performance there. Um, but he's also he'd probably be most known by people um, as playing Saint Jimmy in the Jesus of Suburbia video for Green Day. Ah, so you remember like you know nine what? minute, ten minute long video that Green Day. I did feel movie. like I recognised him from somewhere and couldn't put my finger on it. And now that you've said that, I can totally remember him. Yeah, yeah. So, so he's he's in that. He's also uh, he was in Girls, um, just in a one or two episodes. Um, and yeah, he's been in he's been in all sorts of uh, another horror movie called Carriers, which is rather good as well. Um, so he's been in all sorts over the years um 
and uh and so yeah he's really good as evan he 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 puts in this really genuine performance that feels really authentic Mm. um and then uh nadia hilka plays uh louise um and she's great in this movie she's really funny um really heartfelt performance as well um and it's the kind of performance that could quite easily stray into like the manic pixie dream girl idea that we've that we've discussed before but i think her performance kind of like pushes those kind of potential downfalls aside most the first couple of scenes she was in um i was immediately like oh my god this is a misogynist male fantasy what the fuck is going on like this is terrible because the first time we see her evan evan sees her in the square and he's like staring at her and it's in slow motion and you're just like okay yeah we get it she's a beautiful woman blah blah and then and then they're in the he's in the bar with the two english blokes and he sees her at the bar and he goes up and talks to her and he's like you know if i if i didn't say something i'd just be the creep staring at you still staring at you and you're like okay that's kind of trying to get over that that sort of fetishization and objectification and then she immediately says leave with me right now and i was just like what the fuck kind of like terrible male fantasy is happening right now and you're like why does that happen but there's actually a huge payoff with that because later on probably like an hour and a half later or something you find out that she was just trying to get pregnant so that she could regenerate again um so that's actually a part of the fantastical element of her character and the payoff for that was really really good um and obviously after that the next couple of scenes her character starts to emerge and you realize that it's it's really not not manic pixie dream girlish at all and it kind of plays with that and subverts that and it's really really good but yeah it it definitely hit me in those the expectations in that way yeah it it really subverts uh what people expect from this kind of character in this kind of movie and like every kind of trope that they play with there is this payoff so like that slow motion like uh oh this beautiful girl scene again it's it's the fact that she's she's unable to control these pheromones that she's releasing which then attracts people that make the make her make them fall in love with her and that kind of stuff um so this sort of like love at first sight ideal that they have she can't tell whether it's real or not um and and yeah so every single step of the way like you'll initially think like oh i know where this is going and then it will totally flip it on you um which is one of the things i absolutely loved about this film and that i'll continue to love about this film um it's just so it it knows what the audience expects and it knows how to correctly like step around those expectations in the best possible way yeah it's it's very very good at doing all of that um but yeah so so they're both they're both great in it um my favorite character in the movie uh though is the the olive farmer oh angelo uh, angelo who, angelo who the I farmer. absolutely love um so so evan he he finds a place that's uh he he works on a farm and they give him food and board basically um and so he learns how to be an olive farmer from this old italian guy called angelo um and he's it's one of the like sweetest little sub stories i've seen in a movie ever i think because again at first when he gets there it's kind of grim and we haven't really been properly introduced to louise's character yet um so you think oh i'm i was still in the kind of we're going to come up against some body horror elements. Is Angelo the farmer going to cook him and eat him or something? And he's got this kind of very rustic 
basic room in the in the farm and stuff but it turns out angelo's really really kindly and grandfatherly and very warm and the scenes between the two of them they seem to have a really interesting understanding getting by on the kind of broken bits of both english and italian that they both know and there are lots of small scenes where they're going about stuff on the farm and he's talking about fruit and it's all kind of a a bit metaphorical but not in a way where you feel like the filmmakers are trying to trying to say that it has some big significance to it or anything but there's a bit that struck me when there's talking about so about the tree that has both oranges and lemons on it and he's like i've never seen that before and angelo's like the tree uses the fruit of the old tree or something like that or uses the roots of the new tree and it's all like you're like oh you you could read that as a metaphor for his kind of taking root in a new place or whatever but still being the same person but it quickly moves on to the real plot whereas if if this was being made by i don't know darren aronofsky you'd probably be (laughs) looking looking at the fruit tree for an hour while really really loud strings assault you in your ears if um if this movie was called spring instead of spring (laughs) spring (laughs) (laughs) yeah or do you know do you know another director that i haven't mentioned yet who i think is complete trash Mm. lars von trier oh lars von trier yeah yeah he can he can piss off and Um. um in the wake of the the Harvey Weinstein revelations that have been are still ongoing, obviously this week, um, Bjork talked about her experience with an unnamed Danish director being a pervert, and I'm pretty sure it was it was him, or everyone says it was it was Lars von Trier. So once again, I felt sort of somewhat vindicated that uh, my thinking a director is complete trash turned out to be true. In the same way as Tarantino being really sad for his friend Harvey Weinstein. Wow, wow, wow. My my favourite reaction to the Harvey Weinstein issue in general is um, James Corden telling shitty jokes oh. about it, given that James Corden is really good mates with him. And his first reaction was not, let's denounce this fuck. It's, uh, oh, yeah, let's make jokes about it. Cause, you yeah, know, I can he- make a joke about this. Because you know that like humour is the only way to combat things like that. Yeah, like no, fuck off. <laughs> it's actually the ultimate in kind of trivialising what is an in- yeah. an incredibly serious issue that needs so much attention, and it's basically trying to yeah just trivialise it and chuck it all away. It's just a joke. So yeah, it's the complete opposite of what anyone should have been doing. Yeah, it's you terrible. need to be a very you need to be a very very clever comedian to do something like that so soon after the allegations have come to light. Um, James Corden is not that. He is basically a sentient bag of medical waste. <laughs> um, and and I have no time for him. My my fear is that now that he's revealed to America that he is in fact a shit weasel, that we might have to deal with him coming back to the UK. And I know in I don't the same way can... as they um, they sent Piers Morgan back yeah. after a while. I mean, I mean, what we should do is we should find a place in the middle of the Atlantic to send all these people. <laughs> Like, can we can we not just make some kind of like trash island <laughs> in the middle? There's got to be some kind of island out there. Well, you've got Saint Helena, don't you? But yeah. that's nice. I wouldn't want them to go. I want to spoil it for them. No, we yeah. need to make an island out of rubbish. Yeah, which to be fair, they're probably island. doing anyway. Like yeah. all of the landfills, it wouldn't be that difficult to do. Maybe or like a like a sort of raft. Yeah, we could just make make a make make a big bin raft for them and just dump them there. <laughs> James Corden can be with his medical waste families. 
yeah know, with literal bags of dirty syringes him Piers um, morgan and jacob Rees-Mogg. <laughs> do you think jacob Rees-Mogg will try and make it big in the states oh we could we could put nigel farage there as well couldn't we yeah yeah oh yeah nigel farage definitely first he mate. um he he can he could definitely be there on the the failed attempts to break the united states um katie hopkins soon hopefully. oh yeah she can try and make yep. it over there um Ugh. yeah we're sorry america you seem to yeah. take a lot of our shit they do yeah and every, every sort of horrible person here seems to want to make it over there apart from jacob Rees-Mogg, who will obviously f- won't leave the uk because he's so far up, up the union jack xenophobic bottom that he's never he's never <laughs> going to come out of there i i think um jacob rees mogg is actually the xenophobic version of a vampire where if he steps foot outside of british soil he just turns into ash yeah the xeno vampire <laughs> xeno vampire i like it um anyway how, how do we get on how do we get onto that oh i I brought up Lars von Trier and it went from there. Oh, yes, yeah. I quite liked Melancholia in terms of Lars von Trier movies. Oh, I hated it. Um, I think that's the only one but, of his films I've actually seen, but I think we got about half an hour in and I thought it was just one of the most awful films <laughs> I'd ever seen. It was just, it was oppressive in the same way that Black Swan was oppressive. Like, everything was trying to be aggressively metaphorical and scored with all of this kind of darkness and intense strings and... Yeah, I just didn't buy it. Ah, uh, okay. I quite like Melancholia. I didn't like Dogville. Um, See, the I title of like... that film suggests that it's something that I would like. Yeah, it's not like Airbud, unfortunately. <laughs> that would be Damn. really good, but um, it's not. It's really horrible. I, just, um, I want every film to be like Airbud. <laughs> um, I, I, I laughed slash felt sick watching Antichrist. Yeah, um, that was a that was a horrible horrible movie, um, but it did have a talking fox in it. Was it a fox? I think it was a fox. There's some what, fox. What did the fox say? It 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 does not say what what does what does that what does it say in the song? Well 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 well. Or I think there's like there's a bunch of different sounds. Yeah, it doesn't so, say that, but I think it's some. Ding, 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 ding. It's I a bit, think it, little that, bit crazy that was, frog. That was crazy frog. I think. Yeah. Um, What's worse, I think it, it, it says something like um, "like chaos reigns" or something like that. <laughs> it's really funny. <laughs> um, yeah, that actually sounds mildly hilarious. I might have to yeah, check it, it out. I don't think it's supposed to be funny, but it is very, very funny. But the rest of that movie is grim. It's lots of mutilation and and stuff like that. Cool. Um, very, very, which is what like... I expected from Spring, but was pleasantly surprised not to find. Of course. Yeah, but Spring's got the odd horrible moment. You get to see a, an American tourist get kind of eaten kind of yeah. disemboweled but you don't see it you just see like the after effect of it you see the corpse um, and you see a bloodied cat as well you see a bloody cat nasty. get a rabbit a rabbit yeah. getting eaten um but that's about it it's very yeah, yeah it, it knows that you're not in this movie to watch gore no and, and it, you see and it handles it effectively the big moment when Evan opens the door to her apartment and sees her in her transformed form and she's this kind of there's tentacles and scales and all kinds of things they only show that for two seconds and then there's about 10 seconds of his face just with his like jaw dropped and his his face is so good it's like exactly Mm. what you'd expect 
you you would do if you saw something like that just kind of ah, a silent yeah. scream and and again it's one of those things where that could really easily have been like a troll 2 moment <laughs> um, oh my god but, but he puts he puts in a really good performance in terms of like acting in a way that you would do if you were brave enough to do it i don't i don't know whether i would have been brave enough to go in and try and try and syringe her yeah i probably would have run away because <laughs> that was scary you wouldn't want to walk into a room with that i like to think that i'd, I'd try and syringe them but yeah. yeah but you do at that moment you're like is he going to or is he not because that yeah. is so utterly terrifying i'd probably run is, a mile there is this hesitancy to it um but then he does go in um and like after she's turned back he asks for like answers and she doesn't immediately give them and she, he just kind of walks off and yeah. then you get this really nice scene that's kind of like it's quite tense to watch where where he's w- basically walk trying to walk away while she follows him and he's still asking her questions about what's happened and things like that um and yeah it's it's really well done is that like he's he's basically like potentially saved her from a more painful transformation but he wants answers for what's going on um and yeah it's it's really it's really well done their their entire dynamic in such a strange situation is is really handled very well yeah that's great um so i have a little bit of trivia for you here comes the trivia here comes the trivia that's the that's the jingle that i literally just made up i i'm digging it i'm digging it um so uh so justin benson and aaron moorhead they claim they wrote the film as a counterpoint to anne rice's the vampire chronicles yeah interesting and and that's an interesting way to think about it in comparison to like interview with the vampire and things like that um in terms of this this ancient creature um that goes through these transformations and it's quite it's quite nice to think about it in that way is and and there's clearly all of these sort of like roots in different kind of movies here but i think they they really managed to create something unique out of it yeah um which is because at one point you are like oh maybe louise is a vampire yeah yeah you have the oh maybe she's a vampire you also have oh maybe she's a werewolf as well yeah um and the film knows that it's doing that yeah yeah it knows exactly and and up until the transformation scene that you see through evan's eyes um you're kind of thinking oh what is she um and then suddenly you're you're faced with this creature that's like part octopus part snake part lizard part bird you've got all these feathers on her and stuff like that um and uh and yeah it's really sort of like it it kind of takes your breath away because you're like oh god what is she like like rather than trying to play out what it is in your mind and trying to second guess the movie you're suddenly dumbstruck with i have no idea what is what what she is um which i think is really well done yeah um do you have any any favorite lines in spring um i've already talked about my cockney guy (laughs) it was disgusting and i loved it and i loved it um because because my my favorite line is near the end of the movie when they're when they're in the church and she's going for a transformation and it's this kind of tense moment because she's she's sort of like casually getting out the syringe but in the background you can see that this weird sort of like spiny tail has come out and it's kind of dancing around evan and you're like oh god is it gonna yeah. attack him 
Um, but it doesn't and then they walk out and it cuts back to the front of the church where there's these two people sitting there that have been praying and one of them turns to the other and says oh i think a zombie was doing heroin back there yeah <laughs> i wrote that down that was very good and yeah i thought that was yeah that, and and there are these moments of like just pinpoint comedy like littered throughout this movie that's gen- generally kind of a heartfelt film but yeah it 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 knows when to make the audience laugh and it knows when to use that comedy to kind of like break the tension quite well. Yeah, for sure. It's very good. And they both talk about her. There's a joke where she's like, he has the same backstory as Batman. And then he's like, she's got the same backstory as Harry Potter. And they keep coming back to that as like a joke thing. That's quite good. Yeah. Yeah. That's nice that they, cause they both obviously her parents have both died in Pompeii. Uh, Evans recently lost his mum and lost his dad a little bit earlier, and yeah, so they play with this idea of like orphan being orphans and things like that, um, quite a lot. And and it's never done in a cruel way. You can they you can kind of almost instantaneously sense that there's this chemistry and this tenderness between them, um, even when sort of like they go into the uh, museum together, and um, Evans sort of like accidentally touches the glass and it makes this really loud banging noise. And then she kind of does it herself like a few seconds later, just absentmindedly. Um, and even then you kind of get this sense of this chemistry between them. Yeah. It's li- little things that are thrown in that all kind of add to it in a nice way and just build up their intimacy. It's good because often films try and do that, but they just chuck things in and you're like, what was the point of that? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, whereas here it all kind of like, it builds a, a big picture um a nice big picture overall in a really in a really nice way um it's a yeah it's a very nice film it's good you you watch it in like it's not often you'll you'll watch a movie where someone gets disemboweled and you come out of it with a warm and fuzzy feeling yeah but 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 this is one of those films or a film in which yeah you see a skinned cat yeah yeah, it's not often that you'll see a skin cat and think, oh, you know what, I, I feel really upbeat about life after watching this film. Yeah, because he found what he was looking for. Yeah, love love will find a way. For sure. So if you uh, you had any thoughts on a scale, a rating scale? Oh, I don't know. Um, how many do you different have anything animals? else to add? Um... I don't think I do. I mean, I'd just like to point out that um, that the guys who directed it, uh, Benson and Moorhead, they did a really good movie a couple of years earlier that I watched off the back of Spring um, called Resolution, which is mu- even more low-key than Spring was, um, starring, uh, you know, the guy who owns, well, not owns the bar, but, but runs the bar at the beginning? Yeah, yeah. Who, who's sort of like, uh, oh, no, you're not fired, but, you know, management came around and you're fired. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that bloke. Um, and he plays a junkie who, um, who's living in this cabin and and like one of his oldest friends turns up and basically handcuffs him to a radiator in the cabin and like makes him go cold turkey to get him off his drug habit and try and get him back on track. Um, but it turns out that this cabin they're in might be haunted and it's on this sort of like ancient Indian land. Cool. And, and yeah, it's this whole sort of like is there genuine horror going on here? Is it the hallucinations of someone as they're going cold turkey and getting off like that smack, that kind of stuff. Another classic um, horror trope I learned from the Simpsons Treehouse of Horror. 
oh, being yes. built on an ancient Native American burial ground. Yes. Which was which 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 movie was it that did that? Was it Poltergeist? Poltergeist, that was an Indian burial yeah. ground. Yeah, um, where they I think they used real bones, didn't they, in yeah. the making of Poltergeist, which is a bit grim. Nice. Um, yeah, that's a good film, though. It is a good film. Not so much the remake; that was not so great. Oh, I haven't seen but, it. Um, it. It was fine, but like the original's got that real sort of like eighties horror charm to it. Yeah, um, which the remake wasn't quite able to to translate. Okay, like we said last um, week, why would you bother remaking it? Yes, exactly. There, there was no need to remake Poltergeist. Um, yeah. There's nothing to be gained from remaking it. Um, the uh, podcasting. Okay, I will leave the chat. I'll be. I'll be done soon. No, I went to my Sorry, I'm being interrupted. <laughs> Hello. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> haven't had the dog yet though he needs oh, to get no. up here and say hello that would be amazing Yeah, I wish we He's... were vloggers if the dog came in that would be brilliant yeah yeah um, we should do this we should technically be doing this live on video because that's what the fans want yeah they, they want dogs and they want they want close ups of your chin yeah they want it to be air bud <laughs> <laughs> uh, big boys don't bud yeah Big buds um, don't fly. Big buds don't fly. There we go. Oh, they do fly. Airbud. Speaking it's... of which, we haven't done a Halloween name on our Twitter yet. Oh, we haven't. No, no. And I, ha- I haven't been able to come up with anything. Honestly, I think just because I've been, I've been away at the Frankfurt Book Fair, my creative energy is sapped. But yeah, I haven't been able mm. to think of anything scary. We'll have, we'll have to try and think of something. Yeah. Um. But yeah. So, so I'm excited to see what, what. Um, what Benson and Moorhead do next. They've got a movie coming out this year, I think, which looks, again, kind of like a movie that plays around with horror tropes in a clever way, um, which I'm excited to see. Um, But I'd love to see them do something bigger. I think they've got some really interesting ideas that I think deserve to be seen by more people. Yeah, definitely. Like, this kind of film should get a much wider release and bigger promotion than it does obviously i'd never have heard of it if it wasn't for you recommending it so thanks yeah and i but, and i and i never would have heard of it if it hadn't been for random youtube clicking um yeah it's it's so, yeah it's one of those real hidden gems that i think if, if more people saw it i think it, a lot of people would love it because it's super different super so different from anything YouTube. else you've seen yeah thanks youtube you're good get for something the neo-nazis yeah you're not not just a lot of teenagers playing video games and saying the n-word <laughs> there's some good oh, stuff have you know that, that that man is about our age saying the n-word pewds how old is how old yeah. is pewds i think he's a little bit younger than us isn't he yeah yeah no he is pewds. he's basically as i think as close to our ages makes no difference he and is 20 he is 27 years old he will be 28 in a few days Okay, so yeah, we got a year or two on him. Yeah, damn punk kids. So, as long as we become gajillionaires by the time we're 30, then it's all fine. Yeah, we can can lord it over him and be like, oh, I'm also a millionaire. Yeah. Yeah, YouTube's (laughs) good for something. (laughs) Um, But yeah, so so, uh, in terms of a ranking system for this... We could have um, 
how many animals make up your ultimate transformation maybe mm. yeah that's pretty good i was only thinking of kind of numbers of discarded syringes or skinned cats or <laughs> how many oranges and cats? lemon on angelo's tree that kind of thing but yeah how many how many strange beasts make up my transformation 17 17 you have gone yeah. high my friend i'm, go- I'm, I'm going high yeah because i'm pleased I, not only that. was it good but it subverted my expectations in the best possible way and that kind of thing just really really make, give, wants me makes me want to give it a high score perhaps more so than the the other elements of a, a similar film that i might have that i might have enjoyed on a similar level like as well as being a really good plot it yeah the subversion of expectation really really worked wonders there yeah, I, I completely agree. I'm going to go with an 18 for this movie. I really love it. It, it makes me feel really happy. And like, it, it successfully combines some of my favourite genres of movie into one place. So it's got the body horror. It's got the indie drama romance. You know, uh, what else can can an, a man look for in cinema than this yeah. film right here? It, yeah, I love it. I absolutely oh, love it. Oh, a bunch of stuff that when thrown together should not work, but does. Yes, yeah, and and sheer through the sheer quality and talent of the cast and crew, it works yeah. incredibly well. It, it's it's a it's, they've managed to toe that really fine line to make these conflicting genres work incredibly well, um, and it's all the better for it. Yeah, we're big fans. Hats yeah. off to everyone involved in that film. Yeah, it's great. Cool. So, shall we shall we not say what we're going to do next week? Shall we keep it a surprise? Oh, yeah, do, you, do you want to drop it? I, I don't know. I don't know if anyone else wants to join us on our adventure, though. We could. We could. We'll ask people to join in. Yeah. I, I feel like... Because what we're going to watch is so... It, it was very popular perhaps not so popular now but a lot of people loved it it's a huge so a huge phenomenon yeah so i don't know i think maybe we should tell people yeah because because then they can they can join us on our epic quest yep for sure we're gonna watch all of the twilight films all of the twilight films yeah um i have never watched any of them i've seen the odd snippet here and there probably the first one um, but apart from that, we're going in blind. I've not yeah. read any of the books. No, me neither. Um, so a lot of people love these movies. If you're yep. one of the people that loves it, watch along with us. If you've never seen them, please join us and watch along with us. Yeah, why not? And the the difference, I think, between those two perspectives will be very, very interesting, especially there are a lot of people, I think, our age who enjoyed it, perhaps with a similar pleasure um that people take in in big franchises like harry potter or whatever it was sort of it was almost like the next kind of big fantasy franchise after potter wasn't it would you say yeah it was it was it was post potter pre hunger games wasn't it yeah it kind that's of, a good it way kind to... of was the sort of teen explosion kind of thing yeah whereas we were i think too old for it at the time but there i think were still a number of people our age who who engaged with it and enjoyed it so as that i'm always interested in those kind of teen phenomena and obviously i'm a huge potter fan so is it any different really you know who knows but after watching the films i guess we'll be able to tell you, we'll be able to say 
Yeah, for sure. I'm I'm excited to to see these because it's one of those movies that people really really love or absolutely despise, and there doesn't seem to be any middle ground of oh, it's all right. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm eager to I'm eager to watch. Yeah, I'm 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 very excited. Yeah, it's going to be awesome. Cool. That's going to be next week. Do we have anything else to talk about? Any other bits of follow up or? Um. We could we could have some more questions for our listeners. Yeah, <laughs> we'll add to that. If you were a two thousand year old monster who randomly transformed into animals, what weird hybrid animals would you like to transform into? In in what order? And in what order? Yeah. Um, yeah. Would you what? would you, would you go out with someone? who had this weird kind of transformation thing if they were the love of your life. Yeah. Or if if the love of your life suddenly developed this condition, would you be able to live with it? You got the injections and everything. Yeah, exactly. Sometimes the little tail appears while you're in church, but you know, you're able to get it under control. I mean, having that tail would be quite handy if you ended up being able to control it. You know, this is true. Actually. Extra could, limb to be able to go, you know, grab some, grab a drink off the table, that kind of thing. It could grab some oranges down from the orange and lemon tree for you. Exactly. Yeah. Or what? What in your life was disgusting, but you loved it? <laughs> <laughs> that's an incredibly open-ended and horrible question. <laughs> that's a that's a that's a great question. Um, if you wanted to go on a road trip and meet a beautiful monster woman. Or beautiful monster man, um, where would you want your road trip to end up? Would you like mm. to end up in Italy? Would you like to be somewhere else? Yeah. What's your What's your idea of a romantic location? Because people think of Italy as being a romantic place, but there are a lot of other places. There are, yeah. Um, yeah. I can't. Any Any other questions? I think that might I might be all questioned out. Those are probably enough, but you can answer us um, on email at bigboysdon'tcrypodcast at gmail.com or on Twitter at bigboysdon'tpod. Um, we've had some, some nice pictures of Jeff Goldblum being sent to us this week. That's always nice. <laughs> yes. Yes, we have. There's, he has aged beautifully since the fly. He's a gorgeous man. He still is a he gorgeous is just, man. Just a wonderful, wonderful man. Yeah, just go on our timeline and check out the picture that says "Be the Jeff Goldblum you want to see in the world," because it's it's wonderful. You, you so more of that, of but yeah, answer answer all of those questions. We will not rest until we have your answers. Yes, yeah, come on, tell tell us about your your body horror romance love. Yeah. Cool. And as always, thanks a lot for listening. We really appreciate it. Always love to hear from you. We hope you enjoyed spring. And we we hope you enjoy next week's challenge. <laughs> yes. Bring on Twilight. Yeah. All right. And keep stay stay spooky. Ooh. Stay spooky. Ooh. Wait, we should say it in Italian accents. Yeah. Stay spooky. Stay a spooky. <laughs> but only for the rest of this month. Yes. Then go back to being lovely. Bye bye. Bye bye. I didn't cover my mouth until the very last one there.
Uh, I, 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 I covered my mouth for, for a couple of them. 